How was your Thanksgiving day? You may still eating the leftover food inside of your refrigerators. If you think that's too much, please share with me. <laughs> After Apostle's Thanksgiving morning service, I bravely brought my wife to the local golf course, not playing golf, but eating the meal, lunch over there. And then I ordered only one hamburger with side onion rings. And we cut it in half, and then we enjoyed because we needed to spare and then reserve the space for the big dinner follow-up. And it was really good. We enjoyed the time over there without all kids and parents, just she and me. And on the way back, I made a big mistake. I asked her one question. Judy, since it's a day of Thanksgiving, are you thankful for your husband? And she hesitated, and she says, Paul, I am sure that I am really thankful to the Lord. And she said, isn't it everything what he could do today? Her answer was not wrong, technically. <laughs> but my question was half joking, and her answer was also joking, I hope. However, after I failed to hear the answer what I expected, I started to think about the meaning of life. What a life. What a husband and what a father. What a pastor. So I could approach in this way today with you, with the anthropological approach. What is the meaning to be a human being? And why are they doing? And then what are they doing? Especially the word anthropos is from the Greek. It's about human. So anthropos plus logia is like studied about. So anthropology is like a study about the human being's life. But especially society and cultures and their development. Okay. Mostly focused on the outside and then this physical life. If I approach as a pastor to that part and then go a little bit biblical anthropology, we clearly believe a person's time of birth to death is totally under the control of God. And I share many times, even my third kids from my human being side, it was surprising and oops. But as a believer, biblical side, it is not, it is not oops. This is well designed by the Lord and then given to my family as a gift. But the normal anthropology approach human beings' life, born and die, death processing is by chance and by accident and just by time. But we all know our ancestor Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. And if you see the book of Ecclesiastes, it clearly says that everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. And Solomon says, they take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. And our brother Paul's writing a letter to the Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. And Bible clearly teaches the physical death is not a natural event, but it is a punishment of one's sin, because we all know the ways of the sin is death. So let's see, the, Dave confessed like this, surely I was simple at birth, simple from the time my mother's mother conceived me. I met many people who really struggle with their birth because they think little baby has no sin at all. Yeah, I try to understand them, how pure look they are. And we also know that. Book of Romans clearly says, for the ways of the sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like the birth. That's the things we Christians, we could stand firm with the true hope. If Jesus Christ died on the cross and that's the end of the story of his salvation, we may not have a sure hope what you have right now. But the, the grace and sure hope continue to the empty tomb and Jesus Christ promised the believers resurrection also. How about this? Ontology. So Greek, in Greek word on and ontos is like a being, and then now you know the logia is like logical discourse, study about it. So ontology is a similar way to study about human being, but not focused on the physical body, but it's a metaphysical thing. So it's talking about approach of the philosophical way and approach of your spirit, and some of them may talking about the soul also. So for you and me, for today's message, I made a new term. It's not in dictionary yet. Biblical, ontological, anthropology. If general anthropology, human beings, studies human beings, society, culture, and the ontological approach is more philosophical study of being, and my biblical, ontological, anthropology is, Study of human nature in a view of biblical understanding of spirit, soul, and body. It is focused on the relationship with God and you. Ontology talking about you and others' relationship and you yourself relationship. Bible clearly talked to us about we have spirit, soul, and body. The worldly focuses on, the world focuses on our visible lives. They really care what kind of job do you have, what kind of house do you have, what kind of car do you drive, and what kind of diploma do you have. It's natural. That's why I push my daughter to go a little better name to school. Book of Hebrew 9 says, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. For facing this final judgment, God showed his grace to the world for you and me, for other people, through his only son, Jesus Christ. So 2 Corinthians says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. 
In other words, God's grace, now is the day of salvation. Is there any other reason you're here today besides with that truth? We want to celebrate our status of salvation. God's grace for the world is revealed through his word, his promise. And his word is written in his book, the Bible. So it is really clear for everyone in every generation. His word is the most reliable and his word is alive and his word is active. That's why book of Hebrews talking about that. His word is like a double-edged sword, sharp enough to cut soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And it judges the thought and attitude of the heart. The general anthropology and general ontology cannot touch about that part. But his truth tells us and warning us, be careful, I know your thought clearly. You cannot hide yourself from me. We believe and confess by his amazing grace and his love through his only son, Jesus Christ, we were reconciled and saved so that we can live our lives to honor God with sure hope about salvation and our holiness in our daily lives. So book of Romans chapter 5 verse 10 clearly says, For if while we were God's enemies, reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So our life, we live for God's glory. We live to respond that amazing grace. We live to hold that joy in our lives by giving thanks to the Lord. We will enter the gate of thanksgivings. In narrow mind, it's like your church. Whenever you enter the church, you need to bring your heart of thanksgiving to the Lord. And on the final day, we will enter to the new heaven with your thankful heart. And also, we need a joy of salvation. Not a joy from the toy, not a joy from the achievement from the world, but this joy of salvation is unconditional. It must be stay inside of you. And also, we could say, I am to be content. We need that mind for celebrating Thanksgiving every moment. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter how much you have money in your bank account or not. It is a matter of your thankful heart to see everything as a blessing from the Lord. And we could be rejoice and be patient, be consistent, constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope and then be patient in tribulations and be constant in prayers. And brothers and sisters, Bible talking about that. Walk in manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That one verse reminded me the balance of the believers like us. We emphasize on the doctrine a lot. Not because we are legalistic, but because the doctrine is agreed on the Bible fully. So that's the things you need to study. You need to lean on the truth. 
So your knowledge on him through the revealed knowledge of the Bible, and you grow. And on the other hand, from there, you work and you live in this world and bear your fruit as a fruit, as a result of your faith. And the last one, what the Christians doing for living? The Lord give us a heart to see our sin and to see his grace. So we bring our repentance to the Lord. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like that. All unrighteousness. Question to you today. What is our status quo? Someone may have a great result in your life you don't want to break down. Or someone may have a really difficulties in their life you want to erase it and achieve the other ones. Usually in our worldly society, you and me are considered the same until we set ourselves apart in some way. But that's not the way how God sees you and me. That's not the way how he treats you and me. Let us look to Christ and you will discover your value to God. As you read from the book of Isaiah, you are the clay without life. But he molded you with his own hands and he made a masterpiece and then he put his spirit in you. That's why you and me, we are unique and we have value. So to our God, to God and our job title, academic achievement, and our friends' counter in your Facebook do not really matter. I, I really has a low, low likes in my Facebook compared to my friend in Korea. He, he, he wrote something and he got the three likes immediately because he served like 3,000 member church. <laughs> I don't want to have a competition with him and me, but simple human being sometimes moved by that result. No one followed me. <laughs> but really good thing is that none of these make as worthy in God's sight. He have flesh and blood. I mean, we have flesh and blood. But more than that, we have minds and heart and hope and dreams, ideas and emotions. We are spiritual being and we are soul. For this reason, I a little bit discouraged and dis disappointment on the car when I failed to hear the answer from my wife. But I'm fine, because it is all about my values, not comes from that one word, but it came from the creator who called me my name, and he knows my situation. We have been transformed. We are redeemed by the precious blood of our son, Jesus Christ. He have been set apart by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the we, are, we are now holy nations. And we are children of God. And in the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, we are accepted. Let us look closely on our sermon text today, finally. We're going to read the book of Mark chapter 13. But you know what? Jesus spoke this word on the Tuesday of Holy Week. 
Palm Sunday, Monday, we don't really know about information, but Tuesday, he stayed in the temple court. And while he stayed in the temple court, he questioned from the Jewish leaders about his authority as a teacher. And he talked with the people as a group, as individuals. And also, he stared the woman, the widow, brought her offering to the Lord. And now, Jesus Christ, before he left the temple for the last time, Jesus warned his disciples, Jesus warned his people like you and me today, be prepared on the last day. And he's talking about this beautiful Jerusalem, the temple will be destructed. And Jerusalem was the picture of the destruction of the whole world on the last day. Last month, I got a chance finally to visit the city of Chicago. And 14 years ago, when I got a chance to drive from the Southern California to the New Jersey, one of my friends wanted to move to his new school. He has a back problem, so I'm his driver. So I drove the car with him, and we're passing the nearby Illinois, and then I say, oh, can you stop by Chicago? He says, why not? And we stop by Chicago. It's not really taller buildings, all like red-ish buildings and really low and little dirty. So for me, Chicago is like a gangster city. And then I have those bias in me for a long time until last month. Last month, I visited the real Chicago, uncountable, tall, beautiful buildings. And I took the uh, ship and then go through the river. And I see that. Looks like this is the place I want to live. And then compared to them and San Jose, Seems like San Jose again. <laughs> but thing is that we act like those kind of man-made building and kingdom, the Sears Tower is no more Sears Tower, but it's gonna be forever. It is really safe for the earthquake. But you know what? In a moment, when Jesus returns, it will be gone. Jesus give you and me warning for the end of the world. Let's see. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at night, midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. What kind of feeling do you have after the reading? Scary? Fear? Anxiety? Because unknown day and hour? What if Jesus says in the year of 2015, December 25, 5th, I'll come back. Versus, be alert, be prepared. 
Or does this uncertainty call for increased watchfulness in you? Be on guard and be alert. In the Greek world, these are imperative, which means the pastor's training for to read the original world this reason. It is the order from the master to the listeners. Do it. The reason why you must have a watchful attitude is clearly given to us. The specific time, the specific time. In the Greek, we have two differences, like a chronos, like a chronological time, like our time, and then kairos, as I understand it, is like specific time from the top to bottom. The day, the final day, those kairos time and hour is unknown. If anyone knows, please share with me. Then I'm going to be a world-famous pastor immediately. And please give me a permission to share my personal experience. When I was in the work in the restaurant as a part-time, but even I'm a part-time, I have three job titles on me, the waitress, I mean the waiter and chef and manager. Okay. So one of the titles make me to be prepared for the inspector from the government, and then I have to follow through that California retail food code one by one checklist. And I must be prepared, reason why I really don't know when he's gonna come. It could be really busy time, it could be really slow time, any time, because I don't wanna get the closest sign in our restaurant. So it works really well. I was really sensitive to sanitizing all the things and prepare the bucket, buckets and then soap and the temperature of the refrigerator and food, all things well, good for the restaurant and good for the customers. But I have another bad example. Did you know that I serve, I was a Korean Air Force? I am, I was. But at the time, the age of those groups who must go to the duty, military duty, they little bit struggle to find why they need to spend their couple of years for the government and for the people because they lose, lose the tension in between North and South. We forgot the war is not done yet. In the year of 1953, we draw the line, the parallel line, 38 parallel line in between North and South. And then we make the decree and then documentation and there's one guy from China and one guy from North Korea and one guy from the United Nations Army they signed on. Okay, we'll take rest. It's too much. But problem is, war is not done yet. Anytime without any notice, the war could resume. The problem over there, how many years since 1953? The tension, the mind of be alert is going down. And then we, we struggle with that kind of the normalcy biases like that. It's not happened yesterday, which means it's not going to happen today. What is the normalcy biases then? It's another term. It's according to the doctor, doctoral approach about that. It's the attitude that is entered when facing a disaster. 
caught. People with a normalcy bias have difficulties reacting to something they have not experienced before. They also tend to interpret warning in the most optimistic way possible. That's the psychological doctor's approach. Church pastor's approach is more than that. Sometimes we experience, but still we assume it's not going to happen to me. So we never learn. Look at this. What is this? Titanic? Okay. At the time, one of the strongest and the largest crews. So people celebrate their time over there. But the normal bias is worse there. Because the, the guys who charging on the ship, they didn't put the enough the ship, what, is, what do you call it, the lifeboat? And then even something happens, the people did not immediately make a decision, move all the passengers to the lifeboat. Why? They trust their boat. And similar case happened again in Korea in the year of 2014. A really sad story. The cruise ship like Titanic, 2014. And more than 500 people in a ship, and the mostly high school students, they're on a trip from the Incheon port to Jeju Island. How much joy they had in a ship. But there were some mistakes. The authorities ignored the law, so they overloaded the ship. And second, they want to get more passengers, so they add up some more balconies and rooms illegally. So when the ship lost the balance, it starts to sink this way. And because of that, 304 people died, mostly high schoolers. There was a national disaster in Korea. I want to ask them, aren't they see the movie Titanic? What they did learn from that? Do you think that's their story? How about us? Do we have any normalcy biases? When it comes to relationship with God and you, these normalcy biases can be a factor as well. If my life, if this church ministry goes really well with a heartbreaking event or tragedies, it is easy to you and me to think it will stay that way forever. This idea that everything will be okay will work until something goes wrong. Through the Apostle Paul, God's word says, the day of the Lord will come like thief in the night. God tells us this as a warning. But even this warning comes from a heart of his supreme love to us. He said it because he cares us, because he loves us. Throughout the scripture, the Lord calls to us in urgent. He kept saying, listen, listen to me. And he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Now is the day of salvation. Many of the people in the early church, somebody who really met and heard Jesus' actual voice, they thought Jesus may come back in their generation because Jesus said this. 
Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. If we read one more verse previously, it's talking about the judgment. So many people misunderstand that five verse. Oh, he will come back really soon and very soon. But we approach to this way. The kingdom of God will come here, yeah, not only as heaven, but in the believer's heart. He ruled in believer's heart. So kingdom of God, more and more kingdom of God happens in the believer's heart in their generation. And not only the kingdom of God, but they see the miraculous and a special lovely event from God through his son during the Holy Week. They watched that the son of God crucified on the cross, humbly, willingly. And they saw the empty tomb. And they heard the experience. The Holy Spirit came down to the world on the day of Pentecost. And they saw the believers gathering who shared their all portions and belongings. And then those people not afraid of, to die and persecuted because of their faith. That's the kingdom of God. Something revealed already in us. And Peter says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, the day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Why? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Bible verse must remind you, John 3.16. Why Jesus crucified on the cross. Jesus gives us, gives us an illustration to help us clearly understand that what he meant. The landlord will be absent for his trip. And he gives instruction on conducting his household and managing his affairs while he is absent. So each servant has own assigned task especially for the doorkeeper, needed to keep watch so that he can start, he can alert the people when the master returns and he's to be ready to open the door for the masters when he arrives. So as you notice, Jesus Christ is the landlord here and he has ascended into heaven now. He's absent in this physical world. The followers or believers of Jesus Christ, just like you and me, we are the servant. Remember this. We were assigned by Jesus Christ to use his means of grace wisely to live our life as children of God and to spread the gospel to every town. There's three things we needed to do for the final day, especially the watchmen of the church are to warn other believers to be alert and to be on guard. It could be the pastor's job, leader's job, and teacher's job. So among the servants, there are no position that can be turned on the off-duty sign. It can't. All parts of the church must work on their duties. Now I'm doing my duties. So it means you need to do your no duties until you come to the world. 
So we better not analysis on other jobs, other people's job and their own job's duty by how important it is. Jesus Christ is the head and we are his body. And the all the parts, so all the believers are valuable because Jesus purchased you and me by paying with his own precious blood. In this Jesus' illustration, we can find for a distinctive night times. Not only night times, but Jesus says, in the evening and the midnight or the rooster cross or at dawn. I don't know, if I can make the, our chronological timeline the, in the evening, early evening and the midnight and the rooster crows, some crazy roosters crows a little too early, and at dawn. I don't know where we are, but the matter is that we better be alert in each moment. We cannot say, oh, it's night time. Instead of that, be specific on the moment, in every moment. Jesus Christ warns you directly. It's for you. Jesus says, do not let me find you sleeping. Jesus is concerned about you. And we all like to postpone today's project to tomorrow. Sorry, I have those tendencies also. But when the Lord clearly shows your sins, please repent immediately on now and today. And when the gospel clearly shows his grace to you, please give thanks on it now and today. Tomorrow or next year, maybe too late. On verse 37, Jesus says, let's read all together. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. It is not a command for future. It is command to start from right now. It is the master's personal and direct command to you and for now and for everyone. In the last four years, while I'm serving the Apostle and Peace Lutheran Church, I witnessed many brothers and sisters were called to heaven. And they were, they were young and old from accident to disease or natural death by aging. I've been to more funerals than I care to think about. But there is one thing I've learned from the funerals. All the believers' confidence they are not afraid of the death. And there was a mourning for losing the loved one, yes, but there was also sure hope of eternal salvation. And those brothers and sisters who were called to heaven earlier than us gave us strong message today. You better be sure about heaven before you die. After you die, it is too late. But if you are sure before you die, it's a glorious thing. The heart of love that puts out such an urgent call to you today and to me is the same heart that 
God drove his son become a person of Jesus Christ and let him crucified on the cross so that he carried out all the sins of the world on his cross and made full payment for all of them. This is how passionate our Savior's love is. He wants to shatter the deception of our normalcy biases. And he wants to replace it with the reality of sins forgiven through faith in him so that we can live our lives to give glory to God and we'd be on alert joyfully and be on guard with the truth. Amen.